0: Today's podcast is brought to you by the newest sponsor of the Hail to the District podcast, and that's Wildberries Bakery and Cafe, located in beautiful Frederick, Maryland, just about 30 minutes north of the district. Now, guys, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you want to do something nice for your wife or your significant other, or you need a surefire way to get out of the doghouse, skip the cliched flowers, the crappy little present that she's never going to use or wear, and give her what women truly love, and that's dessert. Wildberries has an incredible variety of gourmet desserts made in-house by the professional pastry chef who owns the bakery. You can choose from French pastries, handmade chocolate truffles, fresh homestyle cookies, a whole mess of cheesecakes and pies, and some of the very best cakes in the entire Washington, D.C. area. And for the chocolate lovers out there, I strongly recommend the bacon chocolate truffles or the triple chocolate pie. You will lose your damn mind. So make a trip up there, and I promise you it's so worth it, and tell the chef that you heard about Wildberries from the Hail to the District podcast and receive 10% off your next order of $10 or more. For more information, visit www.wildberriesbakery.com. That's www.wildberriesbakery.com bakery.com or you can even give them a call at 301-620-7695 for more information. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host Rajan Nanavati. Welcome everyone to another edition of the Hail to the District podcast. I'm Rajan Nanavati and for this episode my buddy John and I will be breaking down the moves the Washington Wizards made in free agency over the last few weeks while our buddy Neil is away doing grown-up and professional things of some sort or something of that nature. But don't worry, we're going to save plenty of NBA talk, including the complete disaster the Bulls have turned themselves into in free agency, for when he returns for our next podcast.
1: Yeah, I'm really disappointed that Neil's not here, because I don't think I can wait another week to discuss the atrocity that is the Bulls roster right now.
0: I mean, I think they made great moves. They wanted to build a team that could shoot, and they did that by signing a bunch of people who have no ability to shoot whatsoever,
1: yep. so I can't see how Keep that'll pounding fail. that rock, guys.
0: Yeah. But for now, we're going to stick to the Wizards, and we'll get to the quote-unquote good, if you want to call it that, before we get to the bad and the ugly. And the good would be the fact that they brought back Bradley Beal, signing him to an absolutely ridiculous, but market value, five-year, $130 million contract.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely it's not the worst thing. I mean, when Mike Conley is the highest-paid player in the NBA right now, making thirty-plus million a season, and I don't even consider him a top twenty player, giving Bradley Beal twenty-three million dollars to a was he 21, 20, 22 twenty, twenty-two-year-old uh, player who, when healthy, is a phenomenal shooter, uh, an excellent, a uh, a a better, you know, getting better. Every season, ball handler, a playmaker, and a very solid defender. So,
0: just for perspective, um, I, I was writing a freelance piece for another client a little while ago, and they, we, we were trying to. It was about free agency, how NBA free agency almost overtaken the major league baseball free agency in terms of average value of a contract. And I was giving the example: um, Giancarlo Stanton signed a thirteen-year, three hundred twenty-five million dollar contract, right? Um, that means per average, he's going to make 25 million a year. Mike Conley's making 30. Yeah. Stanton just won the home run contest. If I'm not mistaken, I didn't watch and I didn't really care, but I think he just did. And he's basically one of the best hitters in baseball. Um, you know, Alex Rodriguez was making somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty five million a year, and, and we're handing Beal. Uh, I think it's about it's just about twenty five a year. We're handing Mike Conley thirty. Demar Derozan's making twenty eight per year with his five year one hundred thirty nine million dollar contract. It's incredible. I mean, it is what it is with the CBA and the or the uh, salary caps jumping, but it's just the month, Those numbers are staggering.
1: Well, the thing that I find interesting is I just don't. I think people are really going to look back at this summer and go, holy crap, we totally overvalued. The cap didn't increase the way we thought it would, and now these contracts really do look like poo. The only thing that saves us is the their shorter term because in the previous CBA, they, they were giving out seven-year deals, like what Gilbert oh, yeah, Arenas Oh, the seven years, got. 120s. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. So at least that's the that was the, the owner's way to save themselves from themselves is by making them a shorter duration. So even if they do give atrocious contracts they can get rid of them rather quickly instead of crippling their franchises but i do think that that we're going to look back at this summer and go holy crap what were these people thinking
0: i mean for a lot of other teams yes and we'll get to some of those signings for our own team in a minute but from the Beale perspective it's it's i, I was writing about it i mean it's damned if you do and damned they had if to you do don't. it that was thing. the you thing. have to do it it's like he's 23 um He's extremely talented. He's got a high upside. He's one of the best, uh, 10 best shooting guards in the league. You can't let him just walk away for nothing because if you do that, then you're a guaranteed lock- lottery team because what the hell else is going to be on this team for John Wall to work with? And it wasn't like you were going to sign somebody on free agency to replace him or give him that money because look, at what, we, look at what we ended up with.
1: Right, right. I mean, and we can go into this later, but like so apparently next summer is you know, the big year for free agencies, and you look at it right. and it's like, Yeah, there's some good guys, but none of them are coming to D.C. You're not going to get a player the caliber of Bradley Beal, and you're not going to get one that fits with Wall so perfectly as far as a backcourt mate. I mean, they still are one of the top backcourts in the NBA. I mean, they're not – I mean, you could argue they're one of the top in the East. uh, I mean, not top in the NBA.
0: I mean, the only people in the East that would be in the argument, obviously, Toronto. it's uh, Kyrie, Kyrie Irving and whoever you want to put next to him, and then Toronto with Lowry See, and Derozan.
1: I don't, I, don't, I don't qualify Kyrie and whoever you put next to him because I just hate them. Uh, you know, I'd be
0: a preacher to the choir on that. You know, one, I just, so. just
1: Ky- Kyrie's a great score. Kyrie but, Irving and J. J. R. But, but yeah, yeah, that's not a, that the the combo together is not better than Wall and Beal. You put Wall and Beal beyond Cleveland, holy crap! Now people are thinking that you have a competition. Uh, you know, next next finals, as opposed yeah, swap- to rolling over for Golden State.
0: So. Yeah, I think if you swapped out Wall and Beal versus Kyrie Irving and J.R. Smith, you'd have a lottery oh. team. Not that the Wizards weren't a lottery team, but
1: yeah. Oh, absolutely.
0: Uh, it was. It was. It's. It's kind of ironic in a sad way. It's like, you know, he came off career lows. Um, or the numbers. He basically put up seventeen and three and three in his contract year, which is around his his what he's been putting up in his over his career like it's not like he had that career year jump or that contract year jump um you know he played in i think it was the second lowest total of games since he got into the n b a right and and then that's and it part lays that into a you know hundred and thirty million dollar contract but again, I'll be the one to slam ernie for any for any stupid move, and there'll be plenty of that in this podcast but what are you going to do? Yeah,
1: that that was not the dumbest move he made this summer. And it, it wasn't even a dumb move. You had to do it. You you had to keep him um he's still young. He is changing his training regimen to hopefully combat his uh injury issues. You know, he is as you said he's he's 23. He's still young. You know, he might not he might just be finished growing. So there there is room for optimism. Uh, I mean, the, the prayer can play is that he at least seventy five games.
0: The prayer is that he turned like he kind of turns the corner in the way that Steph Curry did. You know, Curry right. was perpetually banged up for those two years. But Curry made like,
1: changes to his training right. regiment to build his core and not uh, rely to to work through his hips and not his ankles. So and
0: let's hope Beal does something I, of that nature. Beale's a thicker boy he than is than th- Steph Curry th- is,
1: and he's not right. like you know like Robert Griffin who had like you know you know, Tarzan up top and chicken legs, you right. know, Beal is pretty stout.
0: Yeah. Beal is, he, he's, he's built. And like, that's why, you know, he might not be the tallest guy. I think he's at six, five, but they're like, he's at least, you know, quote unquote, barrel chested. If you want to call him that, like he's, he's got some mass to it. So hopefully if he can just keep it together, you know, there may be a corner. I mean, this is extremely optimistic, rose colored glasses type of conversation, but I mean, what else do we have at this point? He's our guy for five years now.
1: Personally, I mean, you know, if healthy, he's he's way better than DeRozan.
0: I'd yeah, rather I'd... have
1: him in this NBA over DeMar DeRozan because DeMar DeRozan, you know, still is working on his outside shot. But Beal is the thing with. I'm hoping you know my optimism is that with better coaching, because I do think you know I don't think Scott Brooks was the best hire the Wizards could have made, but he is definitely an upgrade over Randy Whitman. I don't think anybody can question that. And I'm hoping with better coaching that they can just, you know, in a better offense, you know, take your open shots, drive to the basket, get to the line and play solid defense. And, you know, the stats will come.
0: Yeah, I I don't think they're going to be quite as stifled. I think Scotty Brooks, to whatever extent, gets it a lot more, as you said, than Randy Whitman did. But I think a lot of people get it a lot more than Randy Whitman did. Um, We're not going to be playing quite the same antiquated or square peg and round hole that Type of play that uh, Whitman was giving us over the last couple of years. Um, do we think this has any effect on the dynamic between Wall's relationship with Beal and Wall's relationship with the team?
1: I don't think so. so. That was one of my concerns because the the big rumor is that you know Bradley Beal is kind of a dick, um, and you can kind of watch with his mannerisms and his he's the kid's got an attitude so. Will this big fat paycheck go to his head? Yeah. I hope it doesn't. Um, at the same time, I don't. I think John Wall understands the the business of the NBA and that this is what they had to do to keep him, and that you know he was not a free agent this summer, and that's exactly why timing. he doesn't have the big fat contract. Now, um, one thing that I would make as a competent GM is, you can go to John Wall at the end of July and say. Mr. John Wall, you are the best player on this team. You are eligible for an extension. We are offering you a max contract right now to, to to re-up your contract and extend it for a couple more years because that's how much we value you. Now, I guarantee you John Wall's agent will say, no, we don't want to agree to that because we can get big, fatter money when you are eligible to be an unrestricted free agent. But from a PR standpoint or – you know, it makes total sense because you're you are valuing him at at the appropriate level whether he takes it or not is is another question i would love it if he would take it cuz i want to lock him up
0: yeah the from his side from the business perspective he'll say no let me see what the cap looks like in 2 years he's a free agent not in 3 years from now including this upcoming seasons yeah so Theoretically speaking, he could be looking at whatever level of number the inflation would take him to at that point um, based off the cap growing year after year instead of, as you said, taking the money now. Uh, I completely agree with everything you just said. From a wizard standpoint, if you were a competent GM and with the city that's a colossal if, I would be like, yo, okay, look, we just gave Beal this big fat contract, but you're our guy. And I think, I think to some extent… Even guys like Beal and who's going to be making about on average just over five million dollars per year, more than Wall is for the remainder of Wall's contract. I think even Beal will concede that yeah, look, I might be making thirty percent more than Wall is, but this is Wall's team, right? And like I'm Batman to his Superman or I'm Robin to his Batman, whatever you want a metaphor you want to use. Like yeah, I don't I think he can question, question that
1: at all. No, think he tries to set. question
0: that. He's not Russell Westbrook where he's like. You know actually, this is kind of my team, and everyone says it's Duran's team, but this is my team, or was Duran's team but i I don't that's not Beal, and I think those things are in play, and I think you know, only the only issue that comes down to his money, which as we've talked about in different scenarios, Wall has groused about the fact that players who are not of his caliber are making this more money than he is, but
1: you the know one can argue is he that,
0: uses that to fuel himself which is great. And I think he does genuinely care. Like, I don't think as of right now, although we could have again said the same thing about Durant, where I don't think his eyes are elsewhere. I think, it, you know, apples to apples, he wants to be here, and he doesn't have someone who's going to be pushing him out the door. And, you know, God knows in this city, and God knows with Ernie Grunfeld, he's not afraid of ponying up the money to keep a guy here for better or for
1: worse. Agreed.
0: Now, as far as ponying up the money for players for better or for worse... Then there was free agency. So the whole way I looked at it was, okay, as we've surmised for a long time, not only did Durant not even entertain the idea of coming here, he didn't
1: even like— he Didn't even give didn't him even, a phone call. Didn't even let us in the room to present the idea. I didn't even—you right. didn't even get a phone call. You you got like weeks ahead, they're like, no, no, no. These are the teams we're meeting with. Everybody else piss off.
0: Right. And you put like he treated us like he treated Milwaukee and Sacramento. Like— in his head, we were in that same group. Like, it wasn't even close. Like, we're not even having the conversation. It is like, and, and I'll continue this metaphor in a second, but it's basically, like, the trolliest of troll girl walking up to you in a bar, and you're like, nope, I'm not that desperate. And that's what John Wall oh, uh, John Wall, Kevin Tarrant gave us the total stiff arm. And frankly, I really don't blame him. I, I, would you want to come to an organization poor this poorly run by this... One of the three worst GMs in the league and with, you know, no sense of stability and with a coach who, by all accounts, you were kind of like, look, I don't know how much I really respect him considering he couldn't corral all the guys together and you don't view him as a championship coach. Well, that's coach. what
1: what was messed up about the, the hiring. You're like, if you are hiring Scott Brooks to uh, lure Kevin Durant, you are sadly mistaken about their relationship because, you know, Durant had no problem when they fired Scott Brooks. He was like, yeah, yeah, get him out of here. Durant didn't push him out the door, but Durant didn't, he didn't
0: try to close he didn't the ask door to, to, keep to say him like, in to keep him Exactly.
1: He's like it's not like He's like, Yeah, go get Billy Donovan. I want he goes, I want somebody that coaches like Greg Popovich. That's what I want from a coach. So whatever you can get that can get close to that, bring him in here. Now I'm not saying that Billy, Billy Donovan's anywhere close to that. Sure. But that was his hope. Was that he could, you know, be able to come in there and and rein in the team and develop an offense that flows and moves and that just didn't happen. But Scott Brooks absolutely was not anywhere close to that.
0: I think Scotty Brooks is one of those coaches who I don't know how that fits with the the MO of this current team where he's like, he'll take a lottery team and get them to the playoffs and get you to like the sixth seed, the fifth seed, the fourth seed. Obviously, he took the Thunder to the finals and the Western Conference finals several times. But like, he'll do that for you. But if you're looking to take that next step, that's not Scotty Brooks. So he's Flip right? Saunders then? Yeah, essentially. I mean, if you <laughs> want to call him a glorified Flip Saunders, sure. I mean, that's actually a really good way of putting it. I mean, it isn't that cases. his
1: MO was, you know, great at building a team, but can't can't win a championship. You know, Flip Saunders built the Detroit Pistons, but then it was, uh, oh, crap, what's his name? who just uh, quit for SMU. Oh Larry, Larry Brown. Brown that 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 actually won the title with.
0: I think Flip went another case. Was the Flip's one of those guys where he was a uh, uh, hands off. I'm gonna trust professionals to be professionals, which was the great irony because he was handed a team with Javale McGee and Nick Young and Andre Blatch and those guys, and he was coaching those guys who couldn't, you know, who couldn't find their way into the to exercising if you paid them, which we did a lot. So. Um, yeah, Scotty Brooks wasn't going to bring Kevin Durant here, and I think between the fans, whether you want to attribute it to that, and I do think so. We've been at the Wizards, at the Verizon Center multiple times, and I mean, it is, it's a damn mausoleum at times. Like, it's what, it feels like a library. you know, there's, If you go back through some of my old running diaries, it's like you sit next to fans who literally won't say anything for in a full quarter. Like You almost feel like there's someone like, going to shush you if you get too loud. And do you want to play an arena like that? Yeah. Do you want to play an arena where you know the visiting team and there's a bunch of you know fucking morons who are all rooting for Kobe and shouting MVP every time he misses a 23 Especially footer Especially when you're
1: coming from a an environment such as uh, Oklahoma City. Oh my God, where that's that is the epitome of home home court advantage right there. I and mean, that that is a fan base that gives a shit about their team. Now I will say this about Wizards fans: I think Wizards fans I think are actually intelligent basketball fans. The problem is, there's only like you know, a thousand of us.
0: Yeah, exactly. In this city, it's sad. The Nationals have been here for eleven years, and I think there's, you know, two hundred percent more Nationals fans than there are Wizards fans. And then everybody else at the Wizards Stadium, I don't know whether they're they're just put their ass in their seats or they're just there because they got tickets. God knows how. But it's pretty pathetic sometimes to see some of the people in the one hundred section that are down with us, because it's like, why are you here?
1: To like, see the other team. Well. Ha- Part of them are see the other team, and then part of them are there just because it's something to do, something and they something to know do. somebody that got them good tickets. And but yeah, no, I I mean you you absolutely can't can't blame Kevin Durant, but the the uh, the fallback. So they they've built this whole strategy on we need to maintain cap space for the summer of 2016 because we're going to chase Durant, and worst case scenario we're going to you know, we're going to go for Al Horford, and the biggest heartbreak is is that we were extremely close to getting Al Horford, which I, I still don't know how he would fit on this team because I'm like, I think you kind of got to move either Marquise or you got to move uh, Gortat off the team to make this work. but I think him next to... I mean, this is all hypothetical now, but I think him next to Gortat and
0: putting Markef on the bench, I think that's what they were envisioning, and I think even I think even Markeith was okay with that. I mean who knows at the end of the day or it's going to remain in the hypotheticals for forever, but I think that's what their strategy was. And that's not um, a bad strategy
1: because, I mean, we have Markef's contract, and his contract's cheap, and we don't got to move. Especially it. now. Oh, God. $8 million? A it's nothing. It's, it's pennies. But the the other big – uh, check mark would be, we just got a big free agent. We just got that, a big ticket. That's a big, and it's not like you know the Redskins signing Albert Hainworth where you know we had the biggest fattest checkbook, and that's why we got him. It's like no, this is a competitive environment, and we got a big free agent because he wanted to come here.
0: So by from what I heard and from my pseudo sources if you want to call them there was his big thing which isn't some big surprise or some big revelation was that he was really fascinated with the idea of playing with wall and to be all the lesser extent but the idea of having a point guard who is by and large the best in the east whether or not you consider kyrie irving up there you know playing alongside john wall and saying okay this is the type of environment um if it was up if you heard from his dad going back or what his dad said in those comments, I can't remember what publication it was, I think it was the USA Today, where I was like, no, he didn't want to He didn't want to play for the fans, and he respected the Boston fans so much. I think at a macro level, um, when the Wizards were kind of sitting out, and they weren't doing anything initially, and they are kind of dabbling here and there, just, they really just sat out, they weren't doing anything for the first couple of weeks while everyone was hot and heavy on some of the bigger name free agents and the big money was getting thrown around. There were a lot of people who were like, they've got something up their sleeve. Now, I personally didn't even think... Al Horford was on the map. Like I I didn't, I didn't have, think that
1: was a possibility.
0: Yeah, not even a possibility. I didn't even think like that's like just that was like us saying like yeah, and then we're gonna get signed Steph Curry next year. Like that was it was that ridiculous right. to me. And then all of a sudden this started creeping up and it's like all right you're still jaded as a Wizards fan you're like eh, it's not gonna happen and then all of a sudden it's getting really hot and heavy and like for multiple people it wasn't just Woj it wasn't just uh Mark Stein it was it was a bunch of people who were like hey this is legit like this is a possibility and then you hear he's like he's a finalist like it's between us and Boston and then you hear Atlanta's back into it then you hear we're into it actually I think we dropped out at that point um or though I don't even know if Atlanta was really in and we were joking around that day when it was happening. Like he's, he's going to sign with Boston because this is DC and we don't nice things don't happen to us. We signed Albert Hainsworth. We don't sign Al Horford.
1: Yeah, the, the thing I heard happened. from David Aldridge was that if Al Hor- so Al Horford made his decision Saturday night. Saturday. And yep. he said if he would have made the decision Friday night, it was the it Wizards, was Washington. Yeah. And the fact that he you know kind of chewed on it a little bit longer. Now I do wonder. You know, Boston of course, you know, they have a fanatical fan base and you know, they have a historical um credit to their franchise, but and I think that was a draw for them, especially sure. coming from Atlanta where, you know, basically it's the the dead fish of of Lays. It's their fan base. I mean they you can't get any Washington they might be makes worse than them us. look bad. Yeah, as I suppose. They, they, I mean they make they us do. look like freaking champions. Yep. Which is sad. I mean, I just, oh, especially because, you know, it's like Atlanta is a vibrant city. Like, how do you not embrace a competent basketball organization? So
0: the great irony was that I was actually in just outside of Atlanta that Saturday. And my now cousin-in-laws or my wife's cousins were their um, Hawks fans. They're, they're uh, Atlanta sports fans. And they, were, they talked about the Hawks like we talk about the Wizards. They're like, nothing good happens to this franchise. They're like, even when good things happen, not, it's not going to last. We're like, and he, we were, they were even saying about Horford, like there was no ill resentment about Horford. They were like, why the hell would he stay here? They're like, we just signed Dwight Howard. What the fuck is that? Yeah. Right. They're like, why would he stay here? They were they were actually like almost borderline backhanded applauding him for leaving. Well, which, the, uh,
1: the dumb part is they were trying to re sign Horford, and at the same time that they're trying to re sign Horford, they're going to trade Paul Millsap. Now, you know that Paul Millsap was, was your their, best player last season. Exactly. The guy's an absolute beast and is a free agent next summer. So, by the
0: way, you just pissed off him, you know, pissed him off right. because you couldn't bring back Horford and you just signed Dwight Howard, who is. 20% of whatever he was, um, which – And he's uh, crazy.
1: I, I mean he's just a – Like you know those hot, crazy bitches? That's Dwight Howard. Like you're like, oh, so, he looks so good. And then you're like, but he's crazy. Don't fuck I with th- him.
0: I think Dwight Howard never – only physically evolved past the age of nine. <laughs> I don't think he mentally evolved past the age. I think he's a nine-year-old trapped in a seven six 11, 260 I'll non-body. give him a 12-year-old.
1: I, I, really I like that immaturity that. of a twelve-year-old and the the craziness. Yeah, I I think a twelve-year-old,
0: but you know how like is still his... a
1: slight innocence. Twelve-year-olds no, you know are how, just like... hell on wheels.
0: So I remember like from my younger cousins and stuff like that. Like when they're like between the age of like eight and eleven. Or eight and 12, they're just really annoying. They're like, they're starting to be smart, but they haven't started to like girls yet or like be a kind of grown up. So they're just really fucking annoying at that point. Like they're just, that's when they're really twerps. And then around 11, 12, their balls drop and, you know, they start to be worthwhile. Like Howard's, Howard is in that eight to 12 years old, you know, I'm not going to listen to anything. I have my head up my ass. I don't understand anything about the world, but I think I know everything. And I'm not actually even near being a grown up yet. I think that's Dwight Howard. I really do.
1: Yep, and how old is he? 30-plus years old.
0: 30-plus. And we were talking before the thing started about the Howard Beck and Zach Lowe podcast, and they they were saying, they were like, he doesn't realize that, one, you're not who you used to be, and two, this isn't the same NBA anymore.
1: He wants to be uh, Hakeem Olajuwon, and one, um, you're not because you have zero post moves. And two, nobody really wants a big man like that. We— what you want is a big man that guards the rim, cleans up, and gets easy baskets. That's what you I want. Mean, the new prototype is
0: Draymond Green, and Draymond Green is I don't even think he's six nine, if that, or maybe maybe yeah, six nine, right?
1: He's, yeah, no, he's I mean, 6'9", he's a he's, but he's got the wingspan, but he can guard anybody. But I don't think you can get that. I think what you no, you can't. What you want really is a is a is a um DeAndre Jordan that can make free throws. Would be uh, a, a highly acceptable, like an Andre Drummond, if he could make free throws. I, I'm sorry. I just really hate guys that are a liability on on the court where all you have to do is hack them, and that's what Howard is. But, you know, when they can get easy baskets, and they can get rebounds, and they can protect the rim, that is that is extremely valuable. I don't need them to hit three pointers. I don't need all my centers to hit three pointers. I need my centers to protect the rim clean the glass, get easy baskets and, you know, at least make 60% of your free throws. That is your ideal center right now or a realistic yeah. center.
0: I just think he's a – I mean, we've we've lambasted him in discussions past plenty. I, I I don't see any upside to that signing and
1: no, I think they, were no making the,
0: the, they were making the point They were Like, he he's the complete antithesis of Budenholzer system. Budenholder I, yeah, system it's like, and how is they, he going to fit? Like, the thing team. is,
1: it, you know, they, are struggling, they have a, a struggling franchise, and he's a local kid, and I think they're trying to grab fans. That's really what I think that signing came down to.
0: It's about as worthwhile as the Dwayne Wade signing,
1: which like, we'll obviously <sighs>
0: cover at, at, at length um, when Neil's
1: back. If we want to get back to the Wizards, so the, yes. the thing that, that upset me about... Like the whole Wizards free agency, you know, it's like, okay, we missed out on Horford, but we got close. So, I mean, at least that's, you know, that's a not even a not quite a moral victory. But, you know, at least we don't feel so bad about ourselves that we're at least remotely close. But we saved all this cap room. And then what do we do with it?
0: You go and blow it. So my going down that road, it's like. You were at a bar, going back to the bar metaphor, you at a bar, you're chatting up, maybe one of the hottest girls you've ever seen at the bar. Like, it's closed, it's close. you know, she's got her leg next to your leg, and you're really close. and all of a sudden she goes home with another guy. And instead of going home and trying to regroup and find another girl like that, tomorrow night, next week, you, you go to the same bar. You, you harpooned a whale. Exactly. Yeah. And you wake up the next morning, and you're like, that's
1: what you look like? It, but worse than that is you're, you're stuck, stuck with, them. with them. It's not like right? you can just... Eh, Blow it off and you did that for the next
0: three nights in a row, and now you have to date all three of them for God, whatever, for whatever reason. So, if
1: we want to continue this metaphor, from my perspective, I would have said, All right, I missed out on all these free agencies. There's hot chicks that are going to be out tomorrow night. I'm going to save myself. I'm going to recollect and I'm going to go and try and do this again next tomorrow night, or in this case, next summer. Because you at least re-sign
0: most most of your, I mean, you got BL back. You know, maybe pick and choose. And I know they didn't want to do the thing on one or two year deals because that kind of screwed sure. them this, last year. But it's like save your goddamn money for next year and then maybe try to re, you know, take another shot instead of going home with a war pig.
1: So, so or it's four war pigs. So what they did though is they, th- so their cap space for next summer, if they were announced, you know, all the rights and the cap goes up. Oh, they have a beautiful four. 0.3 million dollars they can go after a guy i'm like that yeah no nothing so basically next summer they can get mid-level exception players that's it that's the only way they can assist their roster next summer because of what they did this summer they gave uh long-term contracts to role players
0: they gave if you look at it the big fat albatross of this and i saw a lot of people online in the social media world were trying to justify this i was I was probably more angry about the signing than I even was about Al Horford leaving. It's, what, Jan Mahinmi? Like, that's your answer? Like, that was what you did? That, to me, fit more incongruently than anything Horford would have been incongruent with us, hypothetically. Like, you just signed another center. And then there was, like, a couple of thoughts. are like, no, maybe maybe there's a trade with Martin, and maybe that's why they're quiet, because they're doing some shit in the background. I could have got down with Jan Mahinmi. I wouldn't have liked it, but I could have bought it if you then moved Gortat and got his twelve million off the books. But now you've got twenty effectively, yeah, twenty-eight million dollars tied up next year to Gortat and Mahinmi, and neither of those are a top five center, or top eight or top ten, frankly. And you've got two. And how do they fit together? How does this? You made sixteen million dollars a year, and how does it make your team better?
1: So. On a, on a basketball level, I think Ian Mihimi is a good center. He is a, a low-end starting center, a very, 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 very high-end backup center. So having him on your team is not— Didn't you just describe Martin Gortat? Uh, so having him on your basketball team is not a bad thing. Having him on this basketball team doesn't make a whole lot of sense because you're not going to play him and Gortat at the same time. I— so the thing that I see is I'm like, hmm. If this season goes south, at the trade deadline, I could see Gortat going to somebody. You know, hopefully Absolutely. they would get. Hopefully they, well, they won't get anything good back for him. You know, it's not no, like it'll you're, be twenty cents on not whatever like dollar that get a is. First round pick for him, like you know, the Phoenix nope. Suns got from Arkeith Morris. You know, because you right. nope. don't have a GM that's you know, capable of doing that. You know, he's going to give him away for nothing. He's going to be like, oh, look at me. See, I saved, I gained $12 million in caps. Like, yeah, you gave, you gave up an extremely appealing contract in an NBA where, you know, people are making ridiculous money for nothing. Um, But, you know, that's, you know, foreshadowing at this point.
0: I, I'll call it right now. He's going to trade Gortat for a second round pick and get that second round pick and then sell the second round pick like yeah. he did with Jordan Clarkson.
1: Yeah, you know, Jordan Clarkson wouldn't be the perfect backup for John Wall right now. Yeah. Instead, we're relying on Trey Burke, who right. couldn't get minutes on uh, Utah team. Utah. Who everybody's, you know, I don't think, I think um, the whole state of Utah needs a towel of, because of all the ball sucking that Utah is getting right now. Because everybody's like, oh my god, they're the next Oklahoma City. They're going to be so good. And I'm like, are they? Are they really? Like, they're I mean, good. Th- They've got a young talent. I think they
0: glorified Milwaukee.
1: Well, they have nobody that can – they're like Milwaukee. They don't have anybody that can score. They have Gordon Hayward, right. and I actually really like T- Trey Lyles. He's I think he's really good. But George Hill can't score. He's a good defender. George Hill
0: can't score. Rudy Gobert is a defender. Go-
1: again, he can protect the rim. Derek Favors, right. he's not a scorer. He, I mean, he's, right. he's a good four. Yeah, um, Rodney very Hood can score, but not like at an extraordinarily high level.
0: Right. No, there's no pure scorer or, like, guy who can, like, light it up night after night. You're absolutely right. So I don't know why
1: everybody's um, sweating him. But anyway, so Trey Burke, you know, struggled to uh, crack that lineup because, you know, he was a college player. He was great in college when, you know, size doesn't matter.
0: Quite as in, much. And
1: in, in the NBA, you know, when you're six it, one, it hurts you when everybody that you're going up against is six five, six six. 6'6". And Trey Burke might be six one in high heels. Just as, just as fast as you. So, and your outside shots don't fall. So, I mean, I I don't mind getting Trey Burke as far as, you know, I mean, we gave up gave up another Nothing. second round pick that, you know, Ernie wasn't going to do anything with, so it's not like a big deal and it's it's an interesting, you know, rental cuz I think, you know, maybe he has some upside, but you know, having Jordan Clarkson would have been way better, but we just gave that pick away.
0: I love the scouting report I read on
1: Trey Burke that he's a shoot first point guard who can't shoot. That's that, that pretty
0: much tells that tells me everything I need to know. Just,
1: I would, you know, I was actually upset that you know we didn't re-sign Raymond Sessions because he I thought he had a good year last year, but Raymond Sessions is the the point guard that can get to the basket but can't finish. So right. you know, instead of that, we have a, a shooting a shoot first point guard that can't score,
0: an undersized shoot a point guard who can't score. But other than that, I think it should work out fine. Um, finishing the thought on Mahinmi, me me, he was started, he started in 71 games last year and he was a nine and three, a uh, nine and seven guy, nine points and seven rebounds a game.
1: How many, but I think he had like it, two, 20, th- it was
0: 25 blocks. minutes a game. Uh, I didn't see what the blocks number was, but I didn't record that down, but it was 20, he played 25 minutes a game. So it was like a pure, like, you know, 35, 40 minute starter. But
1: Whereas Gortat's like a twelve and ten guy.
0: Twelve and ten, twelve. He's more like a twelve and eight in that neighborhood right there. I don't
1: know he, he averaged a double double, the, the whole season. I I think I'll I, I want to give him benefit of the doubt. He's a twelve and ten guy. But yeah, so we're we're gonna give we're gonna pay, Mahimi more. To give us less.
0: To give us less. Right. I mean apples to apples or you know comparing. Um well the other the other thought is now you're right 13 and 10.
1: The other thought that I had was um you know I I didn't necessarily want to bring him back but Nene signed with Houston on a 1-year deal for $3 million. Would pour one out for Nene? Wouldn't you rather have him back?
0: Yes. I I and I as your I've, backup
1: center cuz he actually did a pretty good job as a backup center last year.
0: And he won't be getting carte blanche anymore now that Whitman's gone. Now that Whitman's not saying that everything Na does is amazing. Right. So, and well, so- I
1: think that's the reason why you had to let him go is because he owned the locker room.
0: Yeah. And you had to yeah. get
1: that that um, presence out. But from a pure basketball, you know, statistical standpoint, you can get the same amount. You know, it all goes back to Moneyball. It's all about you know what value you could get the same same amount of production for a a decreased cost for one season and you want to know what i'll take that because then it gives me cap flexibility to do something next season which now we have no cap flexibility that's the thing that pisses me off and the biggest thing that pisses me off about this you know i'm like so the, the the wizard starting five is is it's statistically a very good starting five and what kills them is their second unit and okay, we might have upgraded the second unit, and that should help us. But to come out as the owner of the franchise and say that this was a successful offseason after That's all Ted. your...
0: That's Ted's positive is, pixels, is which means is your head is up your ass. Fucking
1: bullshit. And it it's just infuriates me, because it it what it tells me is that you have no clue, and that you're going to keep perpetuating this mediocrity with the worst GM in the NBA, because you are so incompetent
0: i don't know the orlando guy's pretty up there but i, I think yeah in on, on it, um ernie grunfeld is on the olympic podium
1: of worst gm he's,
0: he's definitely on. he's, he's, he's had got had a medal this around his neck for
1: 14 years for 14 years nobody has had a gig this long and not won a championship
0: and this incompetently have right. retained this gig
1: i don't mind so
0: from a at a at an overarching level, like I didn't, I I appreciate the dumpster diving, you know, bargain contracts, take a flyer on a couple of guys. So I I don't have high hopes for Andrew Nicholson, but there's there's something to it. Like, there's, okay, there's a
1: there's a possibility that he could be decent. that it could turn
0: into something. Like if you put him on a team that's coached by Scotty Brooks, who is known to get the most out of guys, okay, or the most develop the young players, okay. I can get down with handing him six to six and a half million dollars a year. I'm fine with that. It's not a great contract, but that's what it goes for in today's NBA. No problem with that. Even Trey Burke, and I'm making fun of him, we, but it's he's, like he's only, okay, what?
1: Two, three million? Three three point three million and then he's off the books next summer if he doesn't want to. Right.
0: Out. He's a nothing. Right. Like it's 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 a complete you can let him walk and no one will give two shits if he's gone. And the Jason Smith thing, I, I was—I think I'm really pissed off at it. Only in combination with signing Mahinmi, but like, let's take Mahinmi off the contract, off the uh, off the table. And if you signed him again, fine. It's a—it's exorbitant in how much they're paying him, but uh, five million, fine. I, I would still go with that. But it's the Mahinmi one that keeps coming back. That's the big, big—that's the one that market. kills their cap. Yeah, because
1: he's making just a fraction less than John Wall. And he's making more than your starting center, who is, I think, uh, 20% better. And we're in a market where bigs are undervalued right now. There are tons of big guys out there right now that they could get that may not be as good, but close enough. And we doubled down on him Right on that position right again why didn't they make a run at like one of the restricted free agents like why didn't you say that was a big one I would have um uh Miles Plumley. Miles Plumley was a big like
0: both of them god if you really want to blow 16 to 17
1: million on somebody with potential not a fucking 31 year old
0: I mean Alan Crabb I saw the contract oh god that was
1: disgusting
0: that was incredible and it's like okay if that's what today is going for then fine but like he would have been a really nice signing. I know he was a restricted free agent, in from Portland. But yeah, Plumlee or um, who did we just say? They they would have uh, they both would have been justifiable if they had taken the money that we gave to Mahinmi. And let's even say you could just roll it over for next year. Wouldn't you rather? And I know he's not necessarily a true center, but maybe do somebody like Greg Monroe. Roll that money, and he's coming off the books next year, and maybe take a run at that.
1: You went to Georgetown. You could so b- well, but I think you could talk to Milwaukee right now and say, "I'll give you two second round picks for him," and they'd go and they'll yes, probably take yes, it. Get him off yeah. our team. He does not Absolutely. fit. And yeah, no, that would that would totally work. But no, they have. Yeah, the the more I think about it, the more I got up get upset.
0: And then the Jason Smith signing in the context. Of having Mahinmi there, it's like okay, you're you're sitting there, you're like you're trying trying your hardest, you're putting your, your rose colored glasses on, and you're you're typing your positive pixels, and you're trying to justify your, yourself the Jan Mahinmi signing, and then you're just like, and then you're like, oh, okay, Nicholson is upside, and Trey Burke is a cheap contract, and then you kind of get kicked in the other gonad with Jason Smith, and you're like, what the hell are you doing? Player. Who's a well below average player he just turned 30 so there's no upside you're not developing a young player here and last season he regressed as a three-point shooter and free throws and rebounds assists and points now he played less games but basically in every statistical category he's heading in the wrong direction and you
1: just signed him to a 15 million dollar deal so like like the rockets have Monahunus, who's just sitting out there as a restricted free agent and again and they don't want you know anything money to, money to do with him but wouldn't you say hey we'll take a shot on this guy Again, apples to apples, wouldn't you rather have Modi Eunice than either Me or uh, Jason Smith? Of course, yeah, ten times out of ten. Because he's big, he's athletic, he can hit threes. Yeah, yeah, I kind of, kind of wouldn't mind having that guy. I wouldn't you mind know, taking a, a flyer on him because w- the position that, that that the Wizards are in, and any small market team in is in, is you have to make high risk moves and hope they pan out. Um, so, like, like I was talking to my buddy today, and you know. The the joke was, is the only hope for the wizards that Kelly Oubre turns into Paul George, and I'm like basically I'm like if that's our hope then we are completely dead in the water. I think I love Kelly Oubre and I think he can be a very good. I think he can be a I think he can be a starter in the NBA, but there's no way in hell he becomes Paul George.
0: I mean we're praying like our our wild delusion as you said is Kelly Oubre turns into Paul George and Otto Parter turns into um... Tayshon Prince. Tayshawn Prince, yes, I was just, yeah, I just lost it for a second, but Tayshawn Prince, that's really about all we have at the moment. Yep. But all things being considered, like if you rolled into next season with Wall, Beal, Porter, Marquise, and Gortot, right? So that's your five. It's a good and then starting your, five. Right. That's it's it's. One of the better starting fives in the in the Eastern Conference. Then your backups, you've got Oubre, you've got Saturansky, which we haven't even necessarily covered, Trey Burke, fine, Andrew Nicholson, fine, and then Jason Smith, fine. And then fill it out with some second-round pick, or God forbid you actually use your draft picks, but somebody, some development or player there. You could still find yourself in the six seed, seventh seed type of conversation and then have a full max contract-ish available right. to you for next summer. Yeah. To make a run at somebody, right. even if it is just a Greg Monroe or somebody of that nature. But it's something.
1: A Greg Monroe, or a Paul Sir, Millsap. Even a Serge Ibaka. Not that he's going to take the money, but like somebody like that. Somebody. Right, yeah. Because, I mean, looking at the list of free agents, you know, uh, S- Steph Curry ain't coming here. <laughs> Russell Westbrook's not coming here. Chris Paul, all things... Blake Griffin, you know, all these top players, they're not coming here. But, you know maybe you could get a Paul Millsap, and that would be Wouldn't awesome.
0: you rather try to give that money, the $16, 17000000 a year, to the restricted free agent that would be uh, Nerlens Noel next summer? Isn't that much more of a better move? If you're going to go and do that, I'm not saying that's the move they should have made, but all things being considered?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not like it's going to work, but... Yeah, I, 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 even, I just don't think Noel's do, any good.
0: You... You
1: know he's a very, but very, very, he's very young, and you know he can, I mean, he can do Bismack Biombo type things that you know he he just got yeah. paid, you know. And
0: yeah, Biyombo just
1: got paid. So I mean, wouldn't and I think he could actually at, be better.
0: At Taj Gibson.
1: I I love Taj I think he's Gibson.
0: A, I think he, you know, he might have a couple of miles under him, and God knows how much Thibodeau used him up. But like, wouldn't you rather kind of throw the money there?
1: Yeah. Who knows how much Paul Millsap's unrestricted next, but wouldn't next you, season. Wouldn't you wouldn't you rather have the options. Exactly. I don't care. Whatever that party, option is, you, you just rather give yourself have the options. option. They have no options. They have they've got 4 million, they've got middle of all exception options. They've nothing. They've absolutely nothing to offer top free agents. This just and no trade chips. Of, but hey, it's a successful offseason.
0: Exactly. It's this is Ernie bending under the table for Leonza's and blowing him and telling him, it's like, no, this is successful. Let me blow you some more. This is
1: successful. And Leontes is like, oh yeah, this is totally successful. How? Well, like any, so I look at this and I'm like, I, you know, the, the thought is, did we make our second unit better? And if we did, maybe they're 10% better. So what is that bias? Maybe two more wins. So right, what's your the, return on investment? So we get the seventh seed. Like right now, the best-case scenario for this team is a 6 We're, we're going to battle for the 6th, 7th, and 8th seed. We're going to – that's – I think that's our peak because it's clearly um, Cleveland, then Boston, Boston um, Toronto, yep. Indiana.
0: Yeah, then the mess, the hodgepodge, Indiana, Atlanta, New York, um, those – Milwaukee. The next year, uh, Milwaukee's in what there. What the hell
1: are the Knicks going to do? Right, so yeah, that's what we, you know, that's what we're fi- so we're fighting for. Miami's in that, Charlotte's in and that, tr- Detroit's in that. So yeah, Charlotte and Detroit are the the, the, the other the big ones, because um, I think they're bringing back stability. And so best case, best case, we snag the fifth seed. Really, yeah, that's best what case you're looking at it. That Miami
0: drops out, theoretically speaking, after all the, the hits that they've taken, uh, mostly if Bosch is does isn't able to come back. Atlanta, who knows what that experiment turns out to be. Um, past that, I think those are the only two teams out of last year's top eight that are going to drop out because Indiana, I know some people are a little more tepid on them. I think we, we like Indiana what they did more. Um, uh, Boston obviously did what Boston did. Toronto basically kept the team together. Right. Outside they of kept Beyond, the band though. together. So, yeah, you're hoping you can – and then you have – it's us, the Bucs, and the Knicks, basically, who are going to be competing for those last two playoff spots, which basically means, as you said, we could slip into seven, maybe slip into eight, and then get our asses kicked by either Boston or uh, by by Cleveland. Congratulations.
1: Successful offseason? I think not. Right? Yeah. No, We, we blew $30 million to make our team microscopically better.
0: Right, you as you said, maybe three wins, maybe four. Right. So maybe we go from four. a forty-one
1: win team. Maybe we win forty-five.
0: Right, that and that is. I think that's your ceiling. If the over/under was forty-three, I wouldn't lay a single dollar on it.
1: Yeah, no, I wouldn't touch that.
0: I think I'd probably put it right at forty-three. In fact, for forty-three, forty-four, right where this team ends up next year. Yep,
1: and and. It's not so
0: much that, like, okay, well, that's a bad season, and we're being unrealistic. No, that's well and good, but it's not well and good for the money that you spent,
1: right? That you, yeah, no, it's 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 so wizards they they could have done a better job spending the money, but nope, we have we have incompetent GMS, and we have, you know, people that consult to him that clearly don't know shit either. Can you? I can see why I, Tommy I, Shepard didn't get the Nets job. He's no good either.
0: I'm trying to think, and I actually can't believe I'm going to say this because when the man got fired, there was board, there was actual rejoicing in the city. But I think Ernie Grunfeld has surpassed Vinny Serrato as the worst GM that this city's had in the last several years. He surpassed Ooh. Jim Bowden. He surpassed he surpassed Vinnie the, That the last of the worst personnel guy this city has had i mean it's george mcphee you can't even compare him at least mcphee took his team to a cup yeah i was gonna say and signed Yagger or brought jagger who did whatever he did here and you yeah, know no, made some moves and and
1: at least he drafted, drafted ovechkin. alex
0: ovechkin you know even if he was on his plate he at least did
1: that outside he, of he he had a competitive teams but oh my god i i really vinny was so bad Vinny was the epitome of ball-washing yes-man. I would love to sit down,
0: and I'm, I, I may have to start write this column at some point comparing whether Vinny or,
1: or Ernie is a worse GM. Cause the problem is is that Ernie had the long run, and it's just been terrible. Vinny was there from 2000 to 2009. Uh, ugh. We just kind of blocked that out of our head. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Mm.
0: So we kind of touched on it, but uh, this isn't a playoff team. I mean, this is a playoff team, but it's not much more than seventh or eighth seed.
1: It's, as I said, maximum, maximum, best case scenario, a five seed. That is your best case scenario.
0: But I don't even think a five seeds on the table. Like
1: Realistically, that's that's my pipe dream.
0: Right. That's a pipe dream. That's all things coming together. Kumbaya. Bradley Beal has an all-star, a legitimate all-star type of season. And Gortat looks like he did two years ago in the playoffs. Yeah. Even then, then you're talking about the five seed. But in a seven game series, we don't beat, not saying this is what we'd match up with, but like I'm saying from a perspective of who's the better team, we're not better than Indiana. We're not better than Detroit. And as sad
1: as this is to say, we're not better than Charlotte. I could see Charlotte taking a step back, though, this year. But, yeah. I don't know. I really can't... See, I still have the uh, the sour taste of Whitman stuck in my mouth um, because I automatically go, of course Charlotte beats us. They have Steve Clifford. He's way better than Randy Whitman. Um,
0: yeah, Charlotte... I mean, you could at least make the argument that, okay, uh, Marvin Williams got paid, so he might get fat. Nicholas Batum got paid, so he might get
1: fat. Um... We know, yeah, we know what Ramon
0: Session is. We know what Ramon Session is, exactly. But that's just a swap out for Jeremy Lin. That's whatever and whatever. Right, yeah. uh, they've got Frank the Tank there. Roy Hibbert is there. Fra- I didn't realize now,
1: that one. Now, uh, oh yeah, I don't know why they signed him. That just doesn't make any sense. The Frank the Tank draft pick just looks so putrid right now. It looks. Wor- I mean, it would
0: look bad at the beginning. It looks even so worse. So Boston,
1: now. Boston offered them four draft picks, including what was the third pick in this year's draft for that draft pick, so that they could take uh, Justice Winslow. And nope, Charlotte turned it down so they could take Frank Kaminsky. You know, anytime in the draft you have a chance to, to take a tall white guy that's been in college for four years, yeah, you got to take him.
0: Well history has proven that that type of pick works out so well oh. over and over and over again oh. that like you just you have to bank on that. Oh. And then when you already have Cody Zeller, I mean it just it makes, you know, it just it I makes all of feel so the bad successful. for
1: like the well, I don't feel bad for him, but I I find it comical that the Zeller family, you know, great collegiate careers, but oh my god, they've just had zero luck in the NBA. I think I think it's I think it's part of their skin tone that's holding them back. It's
0: kinda of like if your name is Colt and you play quarterback in college football.
1: Yeah, no, you're not gonna to be too good in the NBA or in the NFL, are no. you? No. But it's a damn good name. That's a good Texan name. That's right. So yeah, we are we are totally optimistic about the Wizards this coming season and we're So, so incredibly optimistic. So thrilled with the brilliant moves that they've orchestrated this summer and you know yeah, we are, here.
0: this is me opening my wallet and saying, here, take my money so I can watch this team and th- go from mediocrity to sub-mediocrity. No, please, Ted, please take my money.
1: Now, I will please. go see this team, but it will not be to pay them because I'm thrilled with the, what they're doing. I will pay them because I want to go hang out with my buddies and have a good time. Right. And it, and the good time is because of us, not
0: because, not because of the of, basketball not because of the product. court. But it's like, are you even really going to have – I mean, of course, we're still going to have a good time, but it's like the product on the court is has gotten inferior – progressively over the last two years i mean the peak is paul Pier paul pierce calling game Yeah. since then we're, we're now what yeah, now can we're we just, get back to that
1: level i don't know Yeah.
0: Not, or dump trucking toronto in game four and just mopping them on the you know That was so or, sweet
1: yeah see but that's the problem that's before. what's blinding ted is you have these you have some recent memories of success and it's to no credit of ernie that's the problem the one they time c- you want can't realize but, that the one time you want a goddamn owner who
0: comes in and fires someone too quickly we don't have that now we have the opposite with him
1: yeah we have an owner that keeps somebody too freaking long <sighs> great but uh, well we could go on a whole nother tangent of you know the, the 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 complex of the wizards isn't even predicated by um players wanting to come here it's the whole that's the whole system of agents and GMs and how that works. And Ernie has no connections. And so if you can't see that, that Ernie doesn't have the connections to get you the players you want, then you have no business owning a team.
0: Ernie isn't Pat Riley that he can put the rings on the table. Ernie isn't the Silicon Valley guys in Golden State where they can sell you everything from a first-class VC perspective, business proposition he doesn't he isn't the dumb and dumber in la um of bus and cup check that at least you can sell on hot women and great weather like there's there's i mean you have wall and beal should sell themselves and i think they sell themselves or i think whatever happens here is in spite of ernie
1: correct yep
0: you don't have you know, the Boston Garden, not that they play anymore, but the Celtics lore and the insanely rabid, if not borderline, retardedly drunk fans there all the time. You don't have that. We won't have any of those things. DC's a great city. It's fun to live here. It's expensive as hell. The women are whatever. It's Hollywood frogly people. But you have two stud players. And then you have one of the three worst GMs in sports. It's not even Orlando where it's like, okay, at least you're in Disney World and the weather is nice and there's beaches close by.
1: And uh, no income tax.
0: And no state income tax. No, we have a lot of taxes. Yep.
1: Exactly. yeah, <laughs> yep, yep. So yep. So as I said, the hope of the franchise is that Kelly Oubre turns into Paul George. That's the summation of the uh, podcast. That's the summation of this
0: two thousand sixteen free agency period.
1: And based off what I saw from um, summer league, I think Kelly Oubre is going to be a good player. And you know, I think he, his stats from summer league are poor because you know he's relied to score. And, you know, when John Wall gets you open looks, he's going to he's going to put it in. But he's no Paul George. That's where we're at right now. Yep. With that, we'll conclude things. Thank you very very much for
0: listening. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on SoundCloud. Uh, Leave us some feedback. If not, any questions, what you want us to cover in our next podcast. And keep an eye out for said next podcast. We're looking maybe late next week or early the week after that when we'll we'll be rejoined by Neil and we're going to make plenty of fun with him about how things are going to work out with Dwayne Wade and Rajon Rondo on the Chicago Bulls, among other things, as well as doing a final recap Now that everybody else has gotten theirs done about Kevin Durant and all the other crazy shit that happened at free agency. So until next time, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you soon.
1: Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District
0: podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast.